This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you, you got to take care of business. Welcome in. We are live here on this Friday as we're getting you set for the weekend. A lot to get to here, including the Braves starting a three-game series with the Miami Marlins. All the hubbub around NIL and college football, of course. Of course, we will continue that discussion going forward. And why possibly what Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher did might be good for college football. We'll tell you that coming up here in a little bit. But I do want to start today on this Friday uh, with the Atlanta Falcons and some gambling stuff. Well, because you know me. I mean, I, I'm into gambling. And um, a lot of people now are starting to put out their season win total, uh, you know, handicaps and looking at, you know, whether teams will go over or under their win total and, and whatnot. And so I began to look at some of the teams and and teams that I think will go over and under, you know, their their win total. But, uh, you know, that's a whole different kind of conversation. By the way, take the Ravens over nine and a half. It's one of my favorite bets. That said, when the Falcons number comes out, uh, or when it came out, I should say, it was at four and a half. And a lot of people's like, okay, that figures. This looks like a three or four win team. Um, Clearly they, you know, uh, change quarterbacks and they're going with a backup guy, Marcus Mariota, or it's it's a rookie. Obviously their defense is bad. And, you know, all those things. And so I began to look at um, some ways that the Falcons could get five wins on their schedule and maybe not be as bad as the experts in Vegas predict. And I came across a treat, tweet from Warren Sharp. If you guys don't know who Warren Sharp is, follow him on Twitter at Sharp Football. Of course, follow me at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And follow us at Locked on ATL. I forgot to mention that before. Sorry to uh, digress, but here we go. Um, he posted a tweet about, the win-loss record versus teams with a winning record in 2021. So what they finished as with their team is against teams with other winning records when it was all said and done. Now, let me give you the teams at the top, all right? Um, and I will I will see if you can quickly figure out the thread here. Tennessee, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, KC, Arizona, Las Vegas, Cincinnati, Dallas, Buffalo, Indianapolis, Chargers. The only one of those teams in that list that did not make the playoffs was the Chargers. And in reality, they should have made the playoffs if all their dumb coach would have done was just kneel on it in overtime and tied the Raiders. They both would have went to the playoffs and the Pittsburgh Steelers would have went home. So that said, the only team, and all those teams, by the way, were 500 or better against teams with a winning record. When you look at the teams with a below 500 record against winning football teams last year, New Orleans, San Francisco made the playoff, San Fran. New Orleans missed, right? Seattle missed. Minnesota missed. Miami missed. Detroit missed. New England makes it. Baltimore missed. Jacksonville missed. Giants missed. Steelers, we told you about them. They shouldn't have made it. Chicago missed. Cleveland missed. Denver missed. Atlanta missed. Carolina missed. Washington missed. Houston missed. New Jets missed. And Philadelphia somehow with a one and seven record made the playoffs. That's the outlier. And they did it in, you know, arguably one of the worst divisions in football. And for the record, the Falcons last year went two and eight against teams with a winning record. That means in their seven and 10 finish, they went five and two 
against teams with a losing record. And that's why I said at the top of the show, take care of business. The Falcons don't have to be great this year, but what they need to do is beat the Seahawks, beat the Panthers, beat the Bears, possibly beat the Commanders. You know, who knows? They have a whole new quarterback situation going on. Um, I would argue they have to beat the Steelers. And, and that's five right there. Could they beat the Browns? Maybe if Deshaun Watson is suspended, which is probably going to be the scenario there, and possibly split with the Saints, who have quarterback issues. So are there five wins on the Falcons' schedule? Yeah. Are they all going to be against teams with losing records? Yeah. Are the Falcons going to beat any team with a winning record? Probably not. And if they do, it'll probably be a division opponent like the Saints who ends up finishing 9-8, and eight, right? Like, they may steal a win against somebody slipping up like the Chargers who are going East Coast or West Coast to East. Maybe the Cardinals late in the year. The Cardinals in December are awful. Uh, every year they lose games in December. They shouldn't. That's because their coach stinks. But that said, would they be able to do that? Yeah, they may be able to. But if I told you that this season, the Falcons would beat five or six teams that had a losing record when it was all said and done, you would go, okay, th that's not bad. I, I, if they win six games, that'd be actually like impressive because a lot of people are thinking this is a four-win team, maybe even a three-win team. But if they win six games, that's impressive. If they only lose one more game than they lost last year, that's a huge win for Arthur Smith for a team that is in a complete rebuild. Shh, don't say that. They don't want you to know they're in a rebuild. They're still kind of hiding it. But anyway, for a team that's in a complete rebuild, for them to only lose one less game than they did last year with Matt Ryan at the helm speaks a lot to the coach. Speaks even more to the GM that they were able to find players that could be competitive. And that is something I think that can't be underscored. Now, if they only win three or four games, no one's really going to blame anybody. No one's going to be held accountable because this team isn't expected to do anything. But if they get to five or six wins, it's like, hmm, okay. In reality, it's, it's one of those things that will start to nitpick how you lose over how much you lose. Because how you lose always matters. I've said it for years, folks. How you win never matters. Doesn't matter what lucky bounce you get. Doesn't matter if a fan reaches over the wall and steals a home run. Doesn't matter if the ref makes a bad call. How you win never, ever, ever matters. How you lose always matters. And so we'll start to dissect it when it's all said and done. And again, we're, we're getting way out in front of ourselves here. But it was just when I saw the stat and I saw what the Falcons were against teams with a winning record last year, it made me think that if they win five games, this year against teams that end up being below 500 teams. That's a real, I, I think that's a positive for them. I really, really do. I, nobody should expect them to go out and beat the Rams or the Niners or even the Ravens or the Buccaneers twice. Like no one should expect that. No one should expect them to beat the Chargers with all the talent that they have acquired this offseason. No one should expect them to beat the defending AFC champs. Like, if you do that, great. Feather in your cap. But no one's expecting that. I would expect them to get a couple of wins against really bad teams, though, with really bad quarterbacks. You got to beat Mitch Trubisky, right? You got to beat Justin Fields. 
you have to beat Sam Darnold or whoever Carolina is starting. And probably Jameis Winston. If you can't, if you don't have enough, and especially with two chances in the division, to split with the Saints and split with the Panthers, if you don't have enough of that, then you have to start looking at the coach and the GM and going, what really is going on here? Because if you can't beat those level, those caliber of quarterbacks, then you are talent devoid and there is something amiss coaching-wise. I think that's completely fair to say. All right, coming up next, uh, why maybe what Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher have started is really good for college football and NIL. That is coming up next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. We'll be right back. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta. As of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Follow me at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Check out all the great shows we have here on this Locked On platform, uh, including A to Z, along with Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Wins with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste, our Braves postcast with Grant McCauley. Don't forget about Locked On Falcons with Aaron Freeman and Locked On Hawks with Brad Rowland. Just an incredibly, incredibly complete lineup here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We appreciate all the support you guys have given us. We're well over a thousand subscribers here. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us there as well, uh, and continue to follow us everywhere on social media and, and retweet and follow and share all the, the segments from the shows that you guys see out there. Uh, we're growing. We're growing at a great rate here to start. We've only been at this uh, coming up on a little, coming up on two months now, but we've done an amazing job connecting with the Atlanta audience and fans everywhere. So uh, we certainly appreciate all the support. And thank you guys. We don't say that enough, but thank you guys for making Locked On Sports Atlanta and A to Z part of your daily sports listening. All right, let's get to Nick Saban and, uh, and NIL. And Saban here, you know, um, quickly realized that he stepped in it in his comments. You know, when you become somebody the likes of Nick Saban and you have the world at your feet, the world is your oyster, and when you speak, everybody stops. When you walk into a room, everybody stops, and, and they want to know what you're going to do and what you're going to say and, and what you're wearing and all the other stuff. You know, they are in tune with whatever you have going on. And uh, when you have that sort of cloud, sometimes when you get on a roll, you know, like get on a roll uh, and you just start talking, Things start flying out because it's comfortable and it's fun. And like you're seeing the engaged reaction and people are leaning in and they can't believe what you're saying. And they're listening so intently. And it's like, oh, you just start talking. And Saban started talking and he called out Jackson State with Deion Sanders. And obviously he called out Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher. And he started to, I don't want to say he walked that back. He apologized for singling out those schools said that he called Deion Sanders and he called Jimbo Fisher to apologize. Uh, and he was quoted as saying, I should have been more specific when I said bought and saying you can buy players now through the name, image, and likeness and never mentioned any specific school and just said across the sport. That's on me. But other than that, I don't have any regrets over what I said Wednesday. Uh, you know, he's at the World Games in Birmingham speaking at a speaking event. So, look, Saban is hard fast that nil is going to ruin college football and he's right you should have never well he, instead of saying you shouldn't name the schools you shouldn't have used the word bought because as i said yesterday it's not illegal it, it's not illegal to sign an nil deal with a college athlete like it's not against the rules and oh by the way 
nobody has been proven yet to be in violation. So these are open, baseless accusations at this point. I mean, if you have proof and you want to bring it to the forefront, that's a different conversation. But that's not what Saban did. And I guess if you'd like to sort of spin this a little bit, if you want this to be a good thing for college football, the NCAA actually has to get involved, you know, do that NCAA thing and like, you know, be the adult in the room. But show the transparency. Show who got the deal. Show how it went down. I mean, if they got it through their agent, that's fine. And folks, oh, by the way, if a booster who owns a car dealership or knows the owner of the car dealership introduces and texts the, the agent and the car dealer together and said, hey, why don't you two meet about so-and-so, see if you can get him a deal. Like, that's not against the rules. They're allowed to make connections with people. They're allowed to, as long as they're not, boosters are not brokering the actual deal and handing off money themselves, nothing is illegal. And that's what I said yesterday. Sorry, Nikki, I know you're upset, but it's not illegal. If you would like to challenge the NIL system, you went about it the wrong way. Now, that said, you know, Typically, we don't talk much about college football at this point in the year. And I know the SEC meetings are coming up. And, yes, they'll get a lot of attention. And, you know, Saban taking the podium will get attention. And, obviously, Jimbo taking the podium will get attention in and of themselves. Now, we want to set up a celebrity death boxing match <laughs> uh, at the SEC meetings next week. So, yeah, it's it, it, it's brought a whole new level of interest and excitement to – college football right now that we might not otherwise be talking about. Look, and, and college football doesn't need any help, right? Like we're, we're all aware of that. They don't need a ton of help. It's not like people aren't paying attention, but between major league baseball and the NBA playoffs. And for those people who pay attention to the hockey playoffs, you know, the idea that this is injecting itself into the conversation now is like the top story is really telling about how big of a deal this is when you get two of the biggest coaches in the sport, you know, right there going at each other's throats and i don't know if nil is going to ruin the sport i don't know if it's going to create a competitive unbalance i don't know if it's good or bad uh, i'm okay with the, the the kids making money the athletes making money and figuring out what they want to do in the next step clearly there's always going to be advantages but folks the playing field was never leveled to begin with like let's remember what the start point was alabama texas a&m Georgia, Florida, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Texas, they all have decided advantages over dozens of other schools, not only in their conference, but all over college football, even at the FBS level. So if NIL is going to do anything, you could argue it may, would make the unbalanced even more unbalanced, but I'm not sure how we actually do that. I'm not sure for as bad as Texas has actually played, is Texas hurting as a program? No, they're not. Right? I mean, they're just not. There's, there's nothing wrong financially with the Texas program. It's never going anywhere. We're not talking about Northwestern here. We're not talking about Vanderbilt. I mean, those schools, even though they play in major conferences – are at a disadvantage compared to those of their counterparts. That disadvantage is always there. NIL hasn't changed that. 
is, is NIL more likely to flip recruits back to Northwestern for X, Y, and Z reason, for X, Y, and Z deal? No, it's not. Kids are still going to want to go to Ohio State. Why? Because they play on national television every week. Because it's the biggest school in the program in the country. They got the number one offense in the nation. I mean, go to Northwestern. Strength coach is a big guy. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, there's there's literally nothing that's changing that. NIL isn't changing that. NIL and, and NIL is only making stricter competition between Ohio State and Georgia, between USC and Texas, between Notre Dame and Penn State. But that level of competition was already there. So I, I don't know what Saban is really alluding to. I think he just doesn't like the fact that this has changed. It's a different system, and he, and he doesn't want to adapt to it. You know, I mean, I sided with Jimbo yesterday, and I'll side with him today. He didn't break any rules. He didn't do anything wrong. Even if they got all their players' NIL deals, he didn't do anything wrong. And Saban's got to learn to deal with that. Braves got to learn to deal with the fact they strike out way too much, uh, and they better not do it this weekend against the Miami Marlins. They have a series coming up. We'll dive into that next, plus a very unique thing happening at Truist Park. We'll do that in our final segment here on A to Z on Locked on Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked on Sports Atlanta. It is A to Z here on Locked on Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked on Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked on ATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Appreciate you guys making A to Z part of your everyday sports listen right here in Atlanta and beyond as the Braves are down in Miami and get set for a three-game series with the Marlins. Full disclosure, okay, uh, I've already made two wagers on this game tonight. I've taken the Marlins plus one and a half on the run line at even money, uh, and Trevor Rogers, the starter for the Miami Marlins, I took his over K-Prop at five and a half, um, and – uh, I did that because the Braves strike out a ton. Uh, they have the highest K rate of any team in Major League Baseball. Uh, now, Milwaukee's a really good team, but they struck out a ton in that three-game series against them. So uh, they have to figure out a way to strike out less. Um, the 350 strikeouts that the Braves have on the year is by far the most in Major League Baseball. Um, and this is a real problem. Forget the... you know. <laughs> The, the runners in scoring position thing, it's one of those deals where it's like there is runners in scoring position and there is making an out and not getting a hit. And then there's making a non-productive out, which is a strikeout. You get second and third and you hit a ball deep to the right side with one out. They let the run score and take the easy out at first base, right? Like that's always what happens. It's not a hit. It's an RBI. You don't, your average doesn't go up runners in scoring position, but a run gets pushed across. That's a productive out. Those things matter. And, and the, the stat nerds and the, the sabermetric folks have ways to quantify all that, that it's way above my pay grade and my intelligence level. But I do know strikeouts are the worst kind of out you can make. Played baseball for a long time. How do I still play? There is nothing where I'd rather ground out the short 15 times in a row than strike out once. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, striking out is the worst thing you can do to me. It, it just... It, I, it's it, there's nothing good about striking out. You look like a complete loser and the Braves have been complete losers in that category all year long and it's bad and they've got to get it fixed. And I, I don't necessarily know how you get it fixed unless you just stop playing guys who strike out too much. The problem is, is that one through nine right now, it's hard to find anybody who's in that lineup who's not striking out. Uh, and I cringe at the idea of them losing two of three to the Marlins. 
which would put the Marlins a game and a half in front of them when it's all said and done. Um, it's not going to be a good spot. I, I think everybody says, wait till Memorial Day. Well, uh, Memorial Day is kind of here. You know, look at the calendar real quick. Yeah, we are a week away from Monday is Memorial Day. So uh, the panic button, and it's understandably so, the panic button is going to be hit by a lot of people. I still have June 15th as my panic button date. I'm not backing off that. Go look at their schedule. Uh, you've heard me say this before, but if you look at their schedule, they'll have a stretch against Oakland, Pittsburgh, the Nationals, uh, really bad teams, Colorado, one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball that hopefully those bats should be able to come to life to at Coors Field. And, uh, yeah, that's where I think that they finally get over 500. But taking two of three from the Marlins and and finishing 19 and 22, gaining a game closer to 500 than when you started is a big deal. They got four against the Phillies coming up as well. I mean, you know, they've got to start to win some division games. It goes back to that whole thing about winning your division and taking care of business, as I talked about at the top of the show. In Major League Baseball, taking care of business is winning your divisional games. And the Braves have to start doing that with some sense of authority here. They have to start doing it with some semblance of regularity. Uh, and at this point, I don't care if they're ugly wins. Nobody should care because they just need to start figuring out how this is going to go uh, and start getting better. I'm not at panic button yet, but I am I am warming up to the idea that it's time to really start looking at this team as maybe um, not what we thought it was going to be or not as good as we thought it was going to be. And some of that is fair. Charlie Morton's on the rubber tonight. He's got an ERA just in a five. He's got a whip of near one and a half. These are not good numbers at all. So uh, he's got to get better. For the record, Trevor Rogers isn't all that better either, but it's almost like an auto bet right now to take an over on the Braves strikeout. Whoever's pitching against the Braves, just take the over because they strike out a ton. They strike out a ton, and I don't know what you do to get better at that. Uh, in game two of this series, you're going to get Kyle Wright uh, against one of uh, – Miami's worst pitchers in Elisa Hernandez. So hopefully they can take advantage there. Um, and then on the Sunday game, let me just pull it up here. In the final, you get Ian Anderson on the road again, where he's been really good this year uh, against Sandy Alcantara, who has uh, been their best pitcher by far. So um, it, this is not going to be an easy series one way or another. They've got to start hitting the ball. They got to strike out less and they got to figure out a way to start scratching out some wins that they couldn't get before. Because uh, if they don't, uh, once we get into June, it, it's going to start to to look problematic. Uh, and, and we'll start to dissect this thing to a different degree. And, you know, I'm curious to see what Alex Anthopoulos is really doing, how much he's really starting to evaluate where this team is or how much more he's willing to wait before he starts picking up the phone to make moves. Right? It's not his style. Even though they just won the World Series, it's not his style to sit back and do nothing. Right. That's not that's not who he is. It's it's not how he operates. So I'm definitively curious to see uh, where his mindset is. I'd love to hear from him. He's been really quiet so far in the year. Um, speaking of which, by the way, uh, this was uh, in the news about the Braves uh, and its concerns Anthopolis, at least from a GM standpoint, that Luke Jackson lost his arbitration case. Uh, he'll be paid three point six million instead of the four million he filed for. Of course, Jackson not going to pick pitch this season due to the Tommy John surgery he has to have, but uh, he's uh, $400,000 poorer than what he wanted to be. 
when it was all said and done. Um, and then officially, you know, we know Tyler Matzik on the IL now um, a couple of days ago. So he will be shut down and then reevaluated. Re um, and the Braves have some more bullpen issues to deal with going forward. Has, hasn't been a fun ride. If you're looking for fun, though, with the Braves, uh, what you can do is try to get seats in right field next week when uh, they take on the Philadelphia Phillies at Truist Park. You're going to have uh, Braves broadcasters Chip Carey and Jeff Francoeur uh, in the right field stands calling the game from there instead of the TV booth behind home plate. Pretty cool. Um, it'll be Thursday night's game against the Phillies, as I said. Uh, and it'll be the finale of their four-game series uh, against Bally. Uh, it'll be on Bally Sports Southeast, and a temporary broadcast space will be set up amid the seats right in front of the chop house. So it's the third time, actually, the Carrier and Front Corps have, have done a broadcast from the Truist Park stands. They did so twice during 2019. So uh, obviously they didn't do it in 2020 because, well, there was nobody in the stands at 2020, and, heck, they weren't even in the ballpark calling the game in 2020, nonetheless. Pretty cool, though. Um, Braves are really good at this stuff. You know, they're really good at, at – at, attracting fans and bringing them in and making sure that they are part of the experience. Truist Park is becoming one of the nicer parks in Major League Baseball, one of the more fan-friendly parks in Major League Baseball. So uh, it's great that they're going to the extra length here to try and make sure that the Braves uh, and their fans, at least if uh, they're not going to win games, are still going to enjoy them, right? All right, that'll do it for us here uh, on this Friday. I want you guys to enjoy the heck out of your weekend. Uh, watch some NBA basketball, watch the PGA championship. I'm sure we'll have reactions to that coming up on Monday as well. Uh, some more Falcons news we got to get to as we inch closer to um, the mandatory mini camps and OTAs and, and things of that nature. So still a whole lot to do. And of course, where will the Hawks be in their off season? All that you'll get right here on A to Z. Thank you so much for making A to Z your first listen every single day. Make your next listen, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, the ATL Sports Talker right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Everything you need to know about Braves, Falcons, Dogs, Hawks, it all comes to you, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, every single day right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. search Locked On Sports Atlanta. You guys have a great weekend. Back on Monday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you.